You know, I, I realized yes, yesterday we went cycling a bit uh, with some of the guys who've been cycling here in the church, and, and it's literally my, my second time ever doing mountain biking. I've cycled on the road before, but, but mountain biking is a different ball game. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not taking your bike and riding down the road. <laughs> if you've, who's ever been on, on mountain biking? I'm talking about like in, into the woods and stuff. Some of you have been there. Um, you need the right equipment, number one. You need a lot of faith. <laughs> but you, you need skill. You know, I realized because I fell three times. <laughs> and, and it was Peter who initiated this because Peter says to me, Sean, you're not a mountain biker. And, and like, I've never fell for like this. I've had some close encounters, but I've never. And yet today, three times. Yes, Mark, it's not yet. And... The thing is, because you, you don't know something well, you're going to fall. Uh, or you, you're not confident in it. or you're not into it. So there's a certain skill set that you need. And also, the, the more you're on the bike, uh, the less it hurts to sit. And after 25 kilometers, somewhere along the line, we lost Tais. Uh, we thought he had more, more fallen off somewhere or something. And so we were sat waiting. And I realized also the value of staying together, and the value of direction. <laughs> because if you don't know where you're going, you might do the track twice. It's pretty important that you know where you're going. And I think so many times we, we don't know where we're going because we're not, we're not following the direction. We, we don't know where we're going because we're not listening to the voice. We're not, we're not coming into community. That's why church is important because it's community. It's not about just who's standing up front here. It's about the fact that we're walking together in our, in our growth path in what it is to journey in this beautiful journey called Christianity, life that He's given us. You know, when Jesus is on the earth, He said, the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. He didn't say, I'm here to take everything from you. I'm here to destroy your happiness, and I'm here to make you feel like a sirtir mareks daram hier. I don't know how to translate that in English properly. Because that's the kind of context of what it means if, if you're not following Christ and really just saying yes to Him. Um, it's not my sermon. It was kind of just something that I, that I felt yesterday thinking about um, the context of cycling and how when you don't know where you're going or you don't know how to go that way, um, like Steve was saying, don't look where you are cycling. Look where you want to go. And it's such a powerful statement uh, and I realized, yes, I cycle much better when I look where I want to go, not where I am right now. Because now, yeah, yeah, kapow, slat near, poppy. That's ni lekkeni, that's aina, that's ouch. Why? Because you not, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What faith did he have? He says, you have the mind of Christ. So having the mind of Christ, having the understanding, what mind did Christ have? He did not consider it robbery to be equal unto God, but yet made himself unto a servant. What is the context of what Jesus lived from the supernatural unto the natural? When we get saved, we move into the supernatural, into the spiritual, but we're still trying to do the natural. That's why we're talking about maturity through this last couple of weeks, that we're trying to get more into it, for you to understand what it means to live spiritually in a natural world. We can't take God and try and fit Him into our natural or try and... It's, it's living from Him 
into the natural. So maybe we can go start off here in 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians, read your verse one, uh, chapter one. It says, verse eighteen: For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Interesting that he talks about being saved. What are we saved from? Because you're born again, that means you're completely saved. But the words being saved, the progression of salvation in what he's trying here, is the salvation away from the natural into the spiritual. See, you've already been made brand new. You are a new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All the old is gone. Everything is brand new. For those who, who haven't been in church a long time, it's very easy. It's a transformation. The butterfly and the, the caterpillar. You're, you're not seeing a caterpillar with beautiful fl- wings flapping around, like barely getting off the ground because it's too fat. Did, did you anybody see? No, it's completely the difference. There's the caterpillar and the butterfly is different. So when you've been born again and saved, you're completely brand new. You're completely uh, saved. You are actually, the maturity is already there in the spirit. But you need to understand how it is in the natural. That's why he says the renewing of the mind. So once you get saved, it doesn't mean everything is perfect and everything is good. And in the spirit it is. But now I've got to learn how to live from that. I've used this example a few times. And even in the cycling, when I started running, I couldn't even run 10 kilometers. By practicing, I could do a comrades marathon. Cycling, fell. Now I learn a new skill, develop. When you go to gym, you don't pop a pill and go, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. There ain't such a thing. That's not going to work. You need to be practicing. You need to get into it. When you learn a new language, you learn hello in Kubai, miskina anapar moi vurde. But that's all you know to learn the language. You've got to practice it. And over time, you start getting to know the sound of it. You don't just learn a new language instantaneously. It's not download it, just quickly plug it in, Spanish, plug in, you can't do that. So when it comes to understanding the language of the Spirit, or living from the Spirit, I've got to get into the language and understand what it means to be part of a kingdom. You've been born again, you used to be a slave, now you're a king. But your mentality still thinks you're a slave, and you don't deserve the kingship that's been put on you. I want to say that again. You used to be a slave. I don't care how, so for Sean, I wasn't poor. No, you were still a slave. You still did not deserve the glory of God. You have no idea what it means to be a king. But now that you're a king, you've got to understand what it means to be a king. How to operate as a king. How to speak as a king. How to declare as a king. What it was that I deserve to be a king. That my identity is fixed in the royalty that I am in Christ. And that I live in Christ. And Jesus takes his birth much further than that when he says that we are one with God as much as he was one with him. Romans 8, and that's where we want to go to this morning, talks about being a co-heir, equal heir unto God as our Father. Wow, that's pretty special. But maybe over a period of time when I don't see everything as it is, 
I start looking to the natural more than I look to the spiritual. But I believe that's where the maturity is coming in the church. When the church isn't living from Sunday to Sunday, from conference to conference, from falling down in the Spirit to falling down in the Spirit, to whatever that may be, a good feeling from miracle to miracle, to totally living in a different mindset of maturity. Because when we live in a different mindset, the things that happen won't affect who we are in Christ. It won't affect. Because I'm not in that mindset. I'm not in that in that domain of offense. You see Jesus operating and his very friends deny him. Peter denies him. Judas, how many times he's loved unto Judas. Jesus, uh, Jesus. Judas <laughs> sells him off. All of them's gone. Only John's at, the, at the, the cross. You see all these things happen and yet Jesus says, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Why? Where's his mind? Not in what they're doing and what's busy happening. You see the opposite of what that is. You are changed by the renewing of your mind. Where's the mind needs to renew to? Your mind, only place it needs to be renewed to is your position in Christ. Who is God? What has God done in my life? Who is my Father? And understanding who that is. So, getting back to Scripture, going to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5. That your faith should be not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom amongst those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, for they are coming to nothing. Well, Paul says, based on the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of this world will always come to nothing. You know, that's the problem that was happening when people started prophesying according to the wisdom of the world and not according to God. They were prophesying Trump would be there forever. Trump is the Savior. Trump is everything. And then what? The wisdom came to? Nothing. Let's stop prophesying according to our desires and start prophesying according to His Word. Let's start praying and asking according to His will, not my will. There's a difference. The wisdom of this world will come to nothing. My plans will come to nothing. What I've put out, what I've put in place... I think I've got it all figured out, and what happens? It comes to nothing. But there's a wisdom amongst the mature that Paul is speaking about here. Um, but we speak a wisdom of God in a mystery, a hidden wisdom of God, ordained before the, fund, before the ages for our glory, um, which none of the rulers knew, for if they knew, they would not... Um, that, uh, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Then he says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered the heart of man the things which God had prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. I, I wanted the board up today. I'm not going to don't bring it right now. Don't worry. We'll do it in the second service. But I want you to listen to certain words that are being spoken as I'm reading this. Um. What, what I'm saying is, listen to the word spirit and listen to the word faith. Where is the things revealed? In the spirit. It's not revealed in the natural. It's not found in what I can naturally find. The glory is not natural. But we've based the gospel on what it is that if you bring, God gives you a Lamborghini. 
If you do this, God will give you that. So it's all on a, a transactional basis, on this negotiation of what I do, of what I give. Lord, I've given everything. You still haven't given me. I pay my tithe. I serve. I love. I live. I do all these things, and yet I do not see the natural things. But yet all these things are revealed spiritually. Because from the spiritual aspect of what he is saying, he says, there is where no eye has seen and no ear has heard. There is what does not come up in the heart of man. Does God want you to not have these things? No, that's not, not the basis. He blessed Abraham considerably. Things have been awesome. But the context is, is we've lived a Christianity for so long based on emotions, based on natural, based on things that we can touch and feel and see. When the gospel itself, yes, God wants you prosperous. Yes, God wants you in overflow. But for what reason? Because the very reason of what it is, is to be a blessing. The very reason is for the kingdom of God to expand. The very reason is for God to rule the earth through you. I'm going to say it again. It's to God to rule the earth through you. We haven't seen what is being prophesied in Romans chapter 8. For the sons of God will be revealed. Wow. That's what we're moving towards. That's the thing we're pushing into. That's what we want to see. I don't want to see anything else but that revealed. Souls to be saved, lives to be changed, miracles, signs, and wonders to happen. How do we see that from a spiritual mentality and from maturity? You see, a lot of times when you... I remember this. My grandfather had a, um, a construction company. And so as a little boy, I went with him everywhere. And I would go to site with him and everything. And so I would, my grandfather would stand there and he says, come on, Sean, tell the guys to jump on the truck. And this little, little boy I would go there and say, come on, get up, get up. And everybody would get up and they would jump up. And I'm like, yes, I'm powerful. Huh? <laughs> yes, I can just tell these guys to move and they move. Then my grandfather's not there and I say, come on, jump, jump. And they, they still, man. <laughs> Keep quiet. What are you talking about? You're not the boss. You're the grandson. You see, a lot of times we're, we're in that place where we're speaking from a place of non-maturity, and we've seen some places where there's been movement, but we don't see all the places moving. Why? Because we haven't matured yet. See, maturity comes, and there's a difference which comes with maturity as we start getting into the business. When it's immature and we don't understand, we get some results when we pray or when we speak, but because we don't have a maturity of about what's happening, we move by the wind because it says, what is a child like in the Scripture? It says, you are tossed like a wave because the child's mind is always double-minded. It's like a child in Kispio Pocky Chips. Teenager. Yeah, let's not go into teenagers. We've all been teenagers, we know. But maturity comes to a place where there is an understanding of the bigger picture. There's something that is not moved by what is the, 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 the natural things, moved by the Spirit. Okay, continuing further down. Listen to the word Spirit. It says, um, But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches the things, yes, the deep things of God. Who searches the deep things of God? The Spirit. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the, uh, the things of God except the spirit of God. Um, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, 
that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That we might know the things given to us by God. Freely. How do I know the things given to me? By the Spirit. By walking in the Spirit, by setting my mind in the Spirit, by being in the Spirit. That's maturity. You know, so how do I get there, Sean? Just wait two seconds. We're getting there. Um, he goes on to say, freely given to God. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges things, yet himself is rightly judged by no one. um, For who knows the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What do you have? You have the mind of Christ. Spiritual things discerned by spiritual things. Go with me to first, Second Peter. Sorry, let's go to Second Peter. Sure. Now, how do? How is spiritual? What is spiritual? The moment you receive Jesus. You became spiritual. The moment you said, Lord, I give my life to you, you became spiritual. Everything about you changed. The fact that you could receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior made you spiritual. Who believes God formed the earth? That makes you spiritual. Because were you there? Who believes Jesus died on the cross? Who believes He was rose again? Who believes He will come again? Did He personally, physically stand in front of you and give you a written agreement and tell you, shake your hand, I'll be back? Did He do that? No. Spiritually discerned. You can spiritually discern. When you set your mind there, you are spiritual. The thing is, you need to operate in that more. You need to have your mind full with that more. You know, what you fill your mind with is what's going to come out. It's been a thing we've learned since we were kids. When they took the Sunday school, they took the sponge, they put it in clean water, picked the sponge up, squeezed it. What came out? Clean water. They put it in dirty water, picked it up. What comes out? Dirty water. It's such a simple thing. That's why the gospel is simple. It is the understanding and the putting of the mindset on Christ. That's where maturity comes in. Maturity is a decision. You know, let me just use an example. Maturity is choice. Did God give you choice? Now, maturity is choosing Christ. Maturity is choosing forgiveness. Maturity is choosing patience. Maturity is relying on the fruit of the Spirit. It's, just, it's a choice. The impulses of the world will lead you. But the more you spend in that, in the natural, that's what's going to lead you. I don't care how much Christian you are, the Holy Spirit will knock on your door, but you playing around in some natural things, what's going to drive you? What's going to influence you? The natural things. And I'll never forget, and I know I've used this example, I I used to have a a meat business way back when, Lighty, and we used to deliver these uh, um, meat to different butchers. And there was one butcher who, man, if he was on on family family channel, uh, it would be silence all the time. Because it would be all the old days beep. Beep! Because he, there was very little words in between the cuss words 
of what he was, how he spoke. And I would spend there for about an hour delivering stuff. Picked up, and I was a youth pastor then. Picked up the meat, did the invoices, get in the car, drive out, driving. Somebody cuts me off. What's the first word that pops out? Beep. Like, where did that come from? Just right. I didn't expect that word to pop out. Why did that word pop out? Because I've been in the presence and been soaking in some dust. But I'm in the presence of anointing and God, even before the day starts. Rattle, come on, Lord. Bones are getting up. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. God is with me. New season. When I start walking lunchtime, I'm not spending just, just all the time on social media. I'm spending time in the Word. I'm spending time reading what God's... What's going to happen? It's going to rub off. It's going to start happening. He's going to start speaking to me. I'm going to start getting a peace above all understanding. Why? Because I'm accessing what the spiritual is. Now, this is very important in where we're going in this scripture. Let's read you. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. What's multiplied to you through knowledge of Jesus? Grace and peace. The more I know Him, the more I find peace. The more I know Him, the more I walk in grace. And grace is the power to me to do what I cannot do in the natural. That's the power of grace. In the natural, I cannot do all of that, but I have grace. That's why he says to Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient to you. He says, I've got this thorn in my flesh, these things. He says, my grace is sufficient. Meaning through grace I can do it. How is grace and peace multiplied? It's not just given, it's multiplied to me through the knowledge of Jesus. Now listen to what he says. As his divine power has, if you've got a pen, and circle has. His divine power has, has, past tense, given to us all, circle that, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Ooh, what did we just read? God has given you already all things that pertains to life and godliness. Everything you need for this life, everything you need for godliness is deposited by the Spirit into you. There's nothing that you can... Corona and what's going on right now in whatever your circumstances is, I want to say, hey... Everything you need for those circumstances has already been deposited into you. God, knowing what you would face, you would get through it. So you don't go like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. No, my son, you can. I've already deposited everything into you for this life. I've given you all the ability for your life, for your race, for your thing. I can't do this. I don't know if I'm able to. Well, if you've got yourself into it, don't worry. God's grace is sufficient. His mercy is on you every morning. And everything you need has been given to you by His divine power. For life and godliness. I like that second part, man. Everything's been given me for godliness. You know, so many times we try to achieve it by what we do. You know, Sean... I, I, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm, I'm growing with God. But you know, I'm struggling with this thing because um, I, I really worked hard. I fasted and then it didn't work. Or I prayed and it didn't work. Or I did this. Or, or now, Sean, you know what? Now that I've, 
I've read through some of the Gospels. I think it's time for me to preach. <laughs> Where you're building, on what side of that thing are you you're relying on? Are you relying on your ability? You're putting it into what you can do. When he says everything of this godliness is given by his power, his ability, and who he is. So relying on that, it's not about what I can do or what I can't do. I've, his divine power has given me everything that pertains. And through that, I can access what, what God's given. Through that, I can live. Now listen to what he says. He goes on. He says, and how does he, how is we given this? Having... Um, Sorry, let's go back. His divine power has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. How is that access? Through the knowledge. The knowledge of, he, of Him. Having escaped the... Um, sorry, where am I now? Do I Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Uh, no, that's not where I was. Verse 4. Haba, haba. Let's do it. By which by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious, what's the word there? Promises. So, His divine power has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through our knowledge of Jesus Christ, who has given us, listen to what He says there, by which He has given us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. So I can be a, divine, a partaker of the divine nature through the promise He's given me. Now, what does the Bible say about His promises? They are all yes and and amen. So remember last week I spoke about faith. So the faith in, in Hebrews 11 was for two things. It was unto a testimony but they could not receive the promise. What did I just read here? The promise is unto divine nature and has been given unto you through your knowledge of Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. So when I look unto Him, who is the author and finisher of my faith? That I am a co-heir. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to end with this. Then you can get it. So I'm going to get it. Romans chapter 8. It says here, let's read from verse 1. I'm going to read Scripture and just let Scripture speak for itself. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk, um, who do not walk according to the but according to the... Oh, where is there no condemnation? In the Spirit. In the flesh, you'll always be condemned. Always. You try and do it in the flesh, you're condemned. You try and achieve it in the flesh, you're condemned. But where's the non-condemnation? In the Spirit. The access of the Spirit. He goes, um, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. It did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, not according to sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the... So where would the righteous requirements be fulfilled? In the Spirit, not in the flesh. I just want to stop there for a moment quickly. I remember a pastor preaching, and he had the, the nine fruits around him, and he was standing in amongst, and he had this guy run around him as the devil, and all the fruits were around him. And one of the fruits, let's say, uh, long-suffering was very, he called it uh, undeveloped. So the devil would be able to jump over that fruit and get to you. And I'm going, and I believe that. You know, so now I'm trying to get all my fruit strong. Get strong fruit. Like you can knock the devil out. He comes in like, devil, I'm, yeah, patience, long-suffering, kindness. You're like, is that strong fruit? It's there, my patience. <laughs> patience gone. I'm like, yeah, I can't do it. Okay, let's try it again. Love. I'm going to love everybody. I'm going to be patient with everybody. It's gone. How, how many of you have tried that? I'm going to be really patient this week. I'm going, to, I'm going to be so mature. I've got all my fruits in a row. They're all walking next to me. And what happens? You fail. Why? Because it's the righteous requirements is from the Spirit. That's why they're fruit of the Spirit and not fruit of the flesh. So the very context of that is from the Spirit. Okay. It's developed through the Spirit. Um, for your righteous requirements. Okay. Go to verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. It's very simple. Where do you set your mind? On the things of the Spirit. You set your mind on the things of the flesh. That's where you'll walk. You know, she would say to me, as using about the bicycle, on the mountain bike, it's just look where you want to go. Not where you don't want to go. I felt that when I was coming down the ramp and I was looking at the edge of the ramp. That's where I went. <laughs> it clapped me and I was oh, right across the thing. It felt like I fell down a mountain, but I only fell down there. <laughs> but it wasn't that. Why? Look where you want to go. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Look unto that. Set your mind there. Set your mind on things that are above. Set your mind in the Word. Set your mind in the worship. Not on the natural things. When the, when the thing comes that is against you, set your mind on the Word. It's not in the good times. He's, how do I walk in the Spirit? You know what Galatians says? He says, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's easy. It's not difficult. Set your mind on things that are above. He continues with this. He says, uh, For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Verse 6. Um, for do not be carnally minded, for, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Come on. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Um, for it is not subjected to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are of the flesh cannot please God. Um, but you are not of the flesh, but, of the, but in the Spirit. Come on, let's say, I'm in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, uh, now, anyone does, sorry, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Okay. But, the, but Christ is in you. The body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. 
For the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit that dwells in you. Um, now, this is where we want to go. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, you are debtors not to the flesh, um, but to live, uh, to live according to the flesh. And if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit of Him, um, a Spirit, oh, sorry man, I'm reading too fast. Let me slow down. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Can you hear? He didn't say child. He said son. Mature. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, we are heirs. Heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer uh, with Him, that we may be also glorified with Him. What are you? A joint heir. You know, just meditating on that, that you did not receive a spirit of fear. You might have a moment that you fear, but that's where maturity comes in. See, we're talking about maturity. I want to help you. You have the moment where fear sets in. But because I've been reading the Word and my mind is set there and I feel the fear, I say, ah! I've not received the spirit of fear. So he's doing love, power, and a sound mind. I have, a, I have Abba Father. I am a joint heir in Christ. I set my mind on things above, not on things beneath. I, I choose that. That is the renewing of the mind. The more the mind spends there, the less the mind will go there. The more the mind is in the spirit, the less the mind will be in the flesh. The more the mind will live in forgiveness. The more you choose to live thankfully, the more you'll find that you'll have more, have more grace in your life than ever before. You'll have more peace than you have ever before. That's where, that's where maturity is. That's the growing up. That's not living. We walk by and not by. So how do I practice that? You know, there was, as a kid I did strange things. And one of the things I wanted to feel hard was to be blind. How are they? It's possible for them to have their senses all aware of what's in the room. So I would then blindfold myself to try and see if I can navigate through the room. <laughs> Crazy, right? But the more I did it, the more I felt like I, was, I now know, because I'm not relying on my sight anymore, that there is something there. I become aware of it. You see, the thing is, how do we live by faith if we constantly live by sight? If every decision we make and every bit of what we do is by sight, it's by the natural, it's by what it is of what it comes from the natural perspective. The only way we can live by faith is if we start changing our mindset, our ways, our language, our, our, our practical application of what it is every single day. The more we do that, the more we'll see it start to happen. The more it will start to manifest. The more it will be there. The more, it will start, the more I speak in tongues. I realize I don't speak in tongues enough. 
It's not just for when I'm in church or just that quick little prayer before I start. Then I go, Okay, Jesus, thank you for hearing me. What about doing it in the morning while you make coffee? What about doing it while you're busy at work? What about while you're walking in the street? Because it's that access into the supernatural for what the fact is that is given to you. The more you do it, the more something stirs in you, the more it's released. I am... Um, What, I'm, what I want to share just quickly now is not from the basis, and, and I know I'm going over time a little bit, but it is an important message today. James says that faith without deeds is dead. There's got to be action. I can talk about it. I can, he says double-mindedness, like a man who sees himself in the mirror, sees who he is and turns away and forgets what kind of man he is. Not how he looks, what kind he is. So action with faith and deeds, it works together. There's a faith action that is part. So it's not works of the law, it's works of faith. It's what I believe that starts having action in my life. But somewhere there's an action that goes in because of faith. Peter stepped out of the boat and stepped onto water because he looked at Jesus. Simple story, but such a profound story because what happened is the moment he took his eyes off, he saw the waves. So many times of what our actions are are things that we fake it till we make it. It's not working. Let's get the faith for it and let's start building from it. Let's set our minds in that and it starts. But there is an action that needs to happen. I can't be doing the same thing that I've done in 2018, 19, and 20. There's something different that I've got to do. Because the same action will get the same result. I've got to do something different. You know, for years I talked about I said this thing to my family. I said, guys, I want to try how it is to just live a um, plant-based diet. Some of you have heard that before. And I was like, I want to try that one day. <laughs> I just never. Because the, the steak was too lacquer and this was too nice. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me because I was struggling with my health. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me, stop. Stop with the Red Bull. Stop, listen, I'm, going to, I'm using maturity simplistic now so you can get something. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me, stop eating so much sweets. He's like, yes, I like my chocolate, man. But the Spirit is speaking to you saying, stop it, it's not good for your health. I was drinking like almost 12 cups of coffee a day. Like insane amount of coffees and teas. Holy Spirit says to me, stop it. Yeah, man, yes, I want that coffee. I said, Sean, do you want a coffee? Yeah. Why? Because Red Bull, like I'm feeling a little tired, like another Red Bull. Then I tell people, don't drink the stuff. It's bad for you. But then I would drink it. And I would be so tired and feel so sick, but the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I was living immature because I wanted my chocolate. I want that. I want, and I'm not talking to promote this. I want to just tell you something. I realized that in the beginning of this year, that if I want change, I've got to listen to the Spirit. In the simplicity, even if he's talking to me about my diet. So all I did, I said, okay, God, if that's what you want, I don't know how it's going to be. I'm going to, I'm going to stop it. Four days, I felt like I was dying. Four days, I said, I'm going to go on a Daniel's fast. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to cut it out. Four days, I felt literally like I was dying. My body started detoxing. Things started happening. Like, what is crazy? After that, I started feeling better and better. 
and better, just phenomenal to where I am today. I've been two weeks into it, and after two weeks, I have never felt better than I've ever felt in my entire life. I went on Thursday for a run, and where the previous few months, I couldn't even, and I haven't been running a lot, I couldn't even run a, maybe a five or a six kilometer. I just kept on running and running, and I did 12 kilometers. I just felt more stronger, I felt better, and I just listened. It's like, this wasn't because Sean was so special. It's because I listened to the Spirit that was speaking to me, saying, Sean, it's time for you to change the way you eat, because what you're eating is affecting your life. I was feeling depressed. I was feeling uh, I didn't have strength for stuff. Why? Because there was certain stuff. Quibus van Rensburg, one of the greatest revivalists of our time, stood in the bathroom. He was asking God, use me, use me, use me. He stood in the bathroom, dried himself off, threw the towel and it dropped on the floor and started walking out of the bathroom. And the Holy Spirit said to him, pick up the towel. And he said, I am not hearing correctly right now. How is that possible that God is telling me to pick up my towel? Is this God or is it me? He said, I have somebody that works for me. They can pick it up. And the Holy Spirit said, if you cannot obey the smallest little thing that I speak to in your heart, how can I trust you with healing the sick and raising the dead? If you cannot even listen to the smallest motion of what the Spirit is speaking, but our minds are so filled with the natural things that we don't create a quiet place for the Spirit to speak to us so we can hear the still small voice in the simplicity of picking up a towel, of, eating a di of changing a diet of listening to where there is. So when God's Spirit speaks to you and says, don't drive right now, and you're not hearing that voice, you drive down to the, to the road, and a car hits you like, why did this happen, God? You didn't speak to me. But you weren't quiet enough for Him to speak because you're so busy with all the junk of what the world is instead of listening to what the Spirit is doing. I hope this is helping you a little bit today. I've been a pastor almost 20 years, but I still do not listen to every small voice that speaks to me. Because I've got to get to the place where I'm like, hey, I've been doing it the same way for 20 years. Something's got to change. Something's got to change in what this year is and how I see things, how I read the Word and what I do in my daily life. Because if it is just based on what it is to, to satisfy this, it will come to nothing. But it says there is a glory and a promise that is given unto us that we will see. That's the faith he's talking about. We walk by faith, not by sight. What for that? The glory, looking unto Jesus. Would you stand with me? Just for a moment, as we, as we leave today, I just, my greatest desire of preaching this message is for you to hear God's voice. It's for you to be led by His Spirit. It's for you to grow in your maturity with Him. It's my greatest desire. My greatest desire is for you to lay hands on the sick. Not me, you. And they will recover. For you to pray and see God move in your life. Father, I thank you for every person in this place today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach this word to us in everything we read. That we'll read your spirit and faith and see and grow. 
Lord, as we set our minds on You, as we change our, our way of living, our way of seeing, our way of, of operating, I thank You that You bring life to us. I thank You for that, Lord, today. May we experience You like never before. I pray it in Jesus' name. As we go, Holy Spirit, into this week, I pray for this week. I pray for our lives. I pray for our businesses. I'll walk with you. May it be filled with your presence wherever we at. Thank you for it, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.